you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Washington, the state of Washington, and I was, I've got a horrible question for you. If the letter J was not in design used until the 15th century, I believe, or maybe the 16th century, what the hell was Jesus' name before the J was invented? This has got me. Talk to you later. Bye. Really good question. Interesting question. The answer to your question is Yeshua. And uh, it translates to Joshua, I believe. Originally, his name was Yeshua. Some really extreme evangelical Pentecostal types of churches refer to Jesus as Yeshua. Uh, Not terribly common, but it does happen in some areas. And Jehovah's Witnesses use that as a justification for using the name Jehovah. Because as you aptly pointed out, the letter J didn't exist until a few hundred years ago. So obviously Jehovah is not God's real name as listed in the Bible because J's did not exist when it was written. The Tetragrammaton, the four letters that represent God's name, in the Bible are listed as Y-H-W-H. That's the four letters because they didn't have vowels back then. They didn't use vowels in that version of Hebrew. There are some scholars out there who can read that type of ancient Hebrew without vowels, but it's really complicated, and it's most certainly a dead language now. The ones with with no vowels is absolutely a dead language now. But the best scholars that we have in the field believe that the name was pronounced... Yahweh, with some accents in different places. It was Y-A-H-W-E-H, they believe. Similarly, Yeshua is Jesus' original name in the Bible. So when Jehovah's Witnesses are faced with the fact that God's name is actually Yahweh, not Jehovah, because of course Jays didn't exist, They go back to that old defense of, well, we call him Jesus when his real name was Yeshua. We're just translating it to English. In reality, Jesus is a made-up name in English, and so is Jehovah. They're both made up. I don't know why we use either, honestly. I don't know why we use either of them. That's just like a call to hypocrisy. Like, well, they're pronouncing this name incorrectly. Why can't we pronounce that name incorrectly, too? We shouldn't be pronouncing any names incorrectly. The common word that we use is Jesus in English. Nobody is really going to know what you're talking about, probably, if you say Yeshua. It's not super common in the U.S., but uh, it is correct. So, generally speaking, I say Yahweh when I absolutely need to, and I say Jesus when I absolutely need to. Sydney Adnapaz. Impression I had was Jesus came from the Greek I-E-S-U-S, which came from Yeshua. It's kind of like how Charles, Carlos, Carl, and Carol are all the same. Interesting. Did not know that. That could be the case. That's a possibility. Um, Jehovah started with an I. It was originally in the King James Version of the Bible, like when it was originally written, I think in like the 1600s or something. I don't remember now. It was before J's existed, I believe, and it was I-E-H-O-V-A. 
That's how they spelled it in the original version, Psalms 83, 18, and a couple of other places like Exodus. And over time, it kind of morphed into a J. And it morphed into a J over time because it was going through Europe and in Germany at that time, or in the Germanic area, Ys were pronounced like Js and Ws were pronounced like Vs. So Yahweh turned into Jave. That's what it turned into, Jave. Uh, and there's a lot more complex stuff behind why it became Jehovah and not Jave. Uh, I, I won't get into it right now. There's a video on my channel about it, but it, you know, Bart Ehrman talked about it at length, wrote a whole article about how the name Jehovah came to be. It was very fascinating. Good morning. This is Nikki in California. I would encourage you to explain to your watchers um, the difference between certified news organizations and entertainment news. Um, I think it's really confusing these days to know where to get your news from. And it helped me a lot to understand the difference between organizations that are actually certified and held up to standards and organizations that just say whatever they want and still call themselves the news. Thank you and good luck. I appreciate that. Really good point, actually. That's a really good point. Um, generally speaking, when I'm looking for a good media source on anything, you can look up the media bias uh, on different websites. So there's this website called MediaBiasFactCheck.com, and there are actually a bunch of them out there. You can check a bunch of different media bias checkers, basically. And you can look up any media organization, and it will tell you different things about them. For example, Reuters, one of the most center factual media companies out there. They're the least biased and they have the highest rate of factual reporting. These sources have minimal bias and use very few loaded words, wording that attempts to influence an audience by using appeal to emotion or stereotypes. The reporting is factual and usually sourced these are the most credible media sources. Overall, we rate Reuters least biased based on objective reporting and very high for factual reporting due to proper sourcing of information with minimal bias and clean fact check record. Um, and then they tell you a little bit about the history of the company and who it's funded by in the ownership and the analysis and the bias. In 2018, Reuters was named the winner of two Pulitzer Prizes on international reporting for exposing the methods of police killing squads in Rodrigo Duterte's war on drugs and for feature photography documenting the Rohingya the Rohingya refugee crisis in Myanmar and Bangladesh um, they talk a lot about you know why they're trustworthy and and all of this other stuff you can look up any media company that you want let's look up Fox News Fox News is obviously going to be on the lower end of reliable um, they have a uh, bad habit. Uh, let me tell you what Fox News tends to do. Fox News is on the lower end of reliable because they have two arms. They have the reporting arm and then the opinion arm, like the news reporting and then the opinion arm, right? And 
they have a tendency to mix the two. So you can't really tell if what you're watching right now is actually a news reporting program or if it's an opinion program. That's how extreme right-wing propaganda works. That's how they get one over on you. Newsmax and One American News Network are basically completely opinion-based. Completely opinion-based. There is no part of those programs that reports real factual information. If you look at this graph here for Fox News, it puts them on the right uh, closer to the extreme side. I think it's a lot further right than that, honestly. Their factual reporting is mixed. Here's their media bias analysis. According to a Pew Research Center survey, Fox News was the main source for 40% of Trump voters during the 2016 election. Further, another Pew survey indicates when it comes to choosing a media source for political news, conservatives orient strongly around Fox News. Nearly half of consistent conservatives, 47%, name it as their main source for government and political news. Now, I don't want you to think that this is just a problem on the right. It's also a problem on the left. Um, trying to think of some good examples of left-wing the Breitbart of left-wing news. They're, they are out there. Here's a media bias chart from all sides, which is another media bias checking website, basically. Um, center is Axios, which is basically HBO's n news reporting arm. Then we got BBC. That's right down the center. Um, Reuters is in the center. The Wall Street Journal. I don't know about the Wall Street Journal. I, I'm not sure I completely agree with that one. Market Watch, Newsweek, NPR, Reuters, Real Clear Politics. The Hill is also a little bit to the left. It's not center. And then for left-leaning, you've got ABC, NBC, The Guardian. And notice here, NPR Opinion. There's a difference between NPR Online News Only and NPR Opinion. That's an important distinction. Then Politico is on the left side, just leans left, slightly left. Time Magazine, ProPublica, Yahoo News, The Washington Post. And then on the far left, we've got BuzzFeed News, Huffington Post, The Intercept, Mother Jones, MSNBC, The New Yorker, The New York Times, Opinion. I'm not sure I agree with this, this chart 100%, but I think it's at least pretty close. The problem is identifying opinion and news-based reporting. Like right here, NPR opinion is leans left. NPR online news only is in the center. You have to find that distinction because Fox News tricks poor gullible suckers into not being able to tell the difference, basically. Damn, the Daily Mail is on the right. I did not know that one. Fox News opinion and Fox News online news only. See, those two are in different categories. One leans right and one is far right. You know what? Alternet? I've never heard of Alternet before. So here is Alternet. Like I said, I've never heard of this one before, but it's apparently to the extreme left, I guess, and its reporting is mixed. You can't really trust what it has to say, I guess. Um, World Press Freedom Rank. 45 out of 180. In review, Alternet publishes news with a far-left bias through story selection and use of emotionally loaded words such as Trump goes off in all caps, New Year's Eve Twitter meltdown, Mexico is paying for the wall, and the F-word 
The craven right wing is now smearing teenage survivors. The website also features a separate news category that focuses on negative reports about Donald Trump. When it comes to sourcing, Alternet typically uses known mainstream sources such as the New York Daily News and NBC News. Alternet also frequently delves into pseudoscience with the promotion of anti-GMO propaganda, which is not consistent with the consensus of science. Alternet has consistently reported on the connection between cell phones and cancer, which is misleading as there is not a scientific consensus on whether radiation from cell phones causes cancer or not. In general, Alternet consistently publishes pro-left news stories and those that denigrate the right. Failed fact checks. Alternet, a left-leaning news website, claims the State Department's Foreign Affairs Policy Board currently does not have any female members. False. Anyway, the point is you have to check your news. You have to check and make sure that you're getting news from unbiased sources. Um, This show that you're watching now, me, I am not unbiased. I have a political and ideological bent. I am a secular humanist, and every story that I cover is going to push you in that direction. I want people to be secular humanists. I want people to be more progressive and more accepting and inclusive and liberal to some degree. So I do have a political bias. I, I assume you guys know that coming into this, that I have a political bias. I mean, that's the whole point of my show. I I don't call myself a news reporting show. I'm an opinion show. It is really important to make sure that you're getting news from unbiased sources. Um, Hearing people's opinions on those factual stories is fine, obviously, or you wouldn't be here, or I wouldn't be doing this at all. It's fine to hear people's opinions on that stuff. Getting the news from the source and making sure you're getting all of the accurate information is very important. So I appreciate that voicemail very much. Thank you. Joseph, I just wanted to say I hope everything will get better soon. I'm sorry that you are going through all that nonsense. I believe what you did was the right thing to do. And it must be affecting you and your family quite a lot. Like, my question is, what is your mom's reaction to all of this going on with you? I'm sure she must be kind of worried about you. You you have a good one. Stay safe, all right? Bye-bye. I appreciate that. That's actually a really interesting question. What does my mom think of this whole situation? Obviously, a lot of people watching know that I haven't had a relationship with my mom for a very long time. Um, We do talk from time to time, not very often. It's usually about family business or whatever. Um, But she does know what's happening right now. She's fully aware. And surprisingly, she took my side. She thinks that the teacher was wrong to be talking about Jesus in the classroom and denigrating atheists and LGBT and the LGBT community in the classroom on class time. She thinks she's wrong to do that. So fascinatingly, she is on my side. And I do appreciate you, uh, you know, expressing support for what's happening. I figured I would give you guys an update on what was going on because, um, you know, I try to give an update every week if possible. But basically... I intended to be out of here the first week of April. That was my plan. It's now April 11th, and I'm still not out of this fucking state.
Kylie is out of this state. She is safe. And she she has been out of state since all of this started, since this went down. I didn't want her in this area because people were talking about kidnapping her and brainwashing her to be a Christian. So, you know, don't want her anywhere near that shit. But, okay, so I have to go to New York. I have to go there because my girlfriend is going to school in that area in September. That's why we're moving to that area. She's going to college in that area. She's already enrolled in college and paid the deposit on everything. It's all done. We have to get to the Northeast so she can go to college there. Now, getting into New York City is a challenge. And let me tell you guys why. I touched on this a little bit last week, but I figured I'd tell you what's so difficult about it. You basically have to be a model citizen in every way to get into an apartment or anything at all in the Northeast, specifically in the New York area, the New York City area. You have to be a model citizen. You have to have perfect credit, at least 720, at least. A minimum of 720 as a credit score. Mine is 550 because I've just never used my credit. I've never had a personal loan. I've never fucking nothing. I just don't get loans. I've always found another way to do things. Never owned a house. I don't have any bankruptcies. I don't have any foreclosures or anything like that. You have to have really fucking good credit. Can't have any derogatory marks on it. And it can't be thin credit. You have to have had loans before. So I'm fucked right there. You also have to make 40 times the amount that you intend to pay in rent every month. So if you're trying to rent a place for $1,000 a month, you have to make 40 times that amount per year or $40,000 a year. That's not necessarily unusual. That adds up to about 30% of your income. So $12,000 per year for rent or 1000 a month. Uh, divided by 40000 a year is about 30%. That's standard. That's what you're supposed to budget for when you get housing, right? But not only do you have to make 40 times the base rent, but they also usually won't accept you unless you have a guarantor. This super chat from Kem Panda says, campaign to find a guarantor rich enough. The salary requirements are ridiculous. That's a really good point. Uh, basically, you have to... The guarantor has to make 80 times the base rent. The guarantor is basically somebody that says, if for some reason this person stops paying rent or they can't make rent or something like that, you will step in and pay that amount for them. And they have to make 80 times the base salary. So if I want to find a place for $1,500 a month, which is pretty standard in New York City, $1,500 a month. In fact, it's standard where I am now. I, I pay 1000 a month now for a, a three-bedroom, which is enough for my family to live in. Uh, if I'm trying to get a place for 1500 a month, that person has to, or I have to make 60000 a year, and the guarantor, which, you know, you probably won't be accepted into a New York City apartment without one, the guarantor has to make twice that amount, or 120000 a month. So... Finding a guarantor has been a challenge. Basically, where we are right now is my girlfriend listed herself as going to college as a college student. And as a college student, they consider her parents' income and credit and everything else. So at this moment, we have put in an application 
to get an apartment in an area that we want to live in, and I am not listed on the lease because my credit is not good enough to live in that city. They're basing it off of my girlfriend, not off of me. So this is basically our last shot. If this doesn't work, if we don't get into this apartment, which we'll know tomorrow or the day after, we have to go outside of the city. We have to go to Stamford, Connecticut, or Greenwich, Connecticut, or even further out, somewhere that will accept somebody who has thin credit, somebody who doesn't have just completely insane rules about what you need to make. So anyway, about what you need to make and how high your credit has to be and about having a guarantor that makes twice as much as you do. It's like, it's completely insane. Just all the rules are nuts. So anyways, I'll know in the next couple of days, most likely. I said that exact same thing last week uh, and the plan that we had at that time fell through. It didn't work. The renter denied me. So we have a new plan and we're trying again with this new place. And if this one doesn't work, we're just going to have to go outside the state and try some other place. But no matter what, I do have the money to pay the damage deposit and rent and everything else. I do have the money now, thanks to you guys. I have enough to pay first month's rent and damage deposit and everything else. But getting into a place is impossible to some degree, because I have thin credit. If you pay a year in advance, they'll not even run your credit and give you a discount. I've done that. Nope. Nope. I tried to talk to them about giving them some amount up front, like, you know, two, three months up front, whatever. They won't because of the, the rules and regulations in New York City. It's rent controlled. They will not work with you um, outside of the bounds of First month's rent and damage deposit, period. Yeah, they just won't fucking work with you, period. They won't do it. They, they check your credit. If it's lower than 720, you're fucked. I just hope this works out tomorrow or the day after, waiting for a response. I hope it works out. If it doesn't, we'll have to go to Stamford, Connecticut. I'm not trying to be rude, but must be in the ghetto or no people to get 1000 a month in New York. Uh, 1000 a month is what I pay now in my current apartment in West Virginia. I'm not looking for 1000 a month in New York, but there are places for 1500 a month in New York that are in good areas, decent areas, Upper East Side. Right now, specifically, because of COVID, and you know, a lot of people leaving the city and everything. So I don't know if that's part of the reason why I'm finding decent deals there or what, but you know, there are, it's not insanely expensive. It's 25 to 50% more expensive than I'm paying in West Virginia, and that's perfectly reasonable. Some of these places are. Dan Yeager, I was going to suggest Jersey as an alternative to actual NYC. Yeah, I, I would go to the north side, though, because my girlfriend's school is closer to the north side, so I'd be going to Connecticut instead. But well, we'll see. It's because of the regulations. New York City is rent-controlled. If it wasn't rent-controlled in New York City, it... If it wasn't if it wasn't rent controlled in New York City, then rent would be ten thousand a month for the cheapest place. It used to be a lot more expensive than it is now. 
New York City is significantly cheaper since the pandemic because everybody's leaving. New York is a hotbed for illness and pandemics. Tons of people all over the place touching their nose and then touching the railings, you know, the subway system. It, it's just, it's a hotbed for, it is where pandemics start and spread. Places like that with like 10 million people in it. And on top of that, it it's more expensive than New Jersey or Connecticut. It's more difficult to get into than places like that, than almost anywhere. So people are leaving because they, they can. And as a result, rent is falling through the floor. But landlords are being so much more careful now to, uh, about who they rent to because they want to make sure that in a year you're going to be able to continue paying their rent and you're not going to lose your job to COVID or something like that. So it's really fucking hard to get into the city, um, which is where I need to be for my girlfriend's schooling. So we're doing our best. We'll make it. It's just hard. Next, we're going to talk about the leader of QAnon, Q, being outed by an HBO documentary. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The first article I wanted to talk about is titled, After the Identity of Q May Have Been Revealed in a Documentary, QAnon Followers Are Calling It Fake News. This is on businessinsider.com. Let me give you a little bit of background on this. I'm sure we are all fully aware of what QAnon is, right? They have a lot of really bizarre fucking beliefs and ideas. If you're unfamiliar with their ideas, I did put out a video on their belief system on my main channel but it you know it was a few months back so it may be a little bit outdated they have new beliefs but it will give you a starting point at the very least for QAnon. this video is intended to talk about the fact that q the poster was outed there was a documentary from hbo just released not long ago it it's a docu-series and it's a total of six hours long six episodes one hour each and I sat there one day recently, I, uh, I think Wednesday maybe, and I fucking powered through the entire thing in one day. I sat there and watched the whole fucking thing. I consider that part of my job. So I wanted to get through the whole documentary and get a good grip on what it was trying to communicate and exactly what happened and what it was all about, right? The structure of the QAnon movement is it was created by this one guy named who calls himself Q Clearance Patriot. He's a an online poster on online forums. And it all started on 4chan originally. 4chan is kind of like Reddit. It's like a discount Reddit. It's basically a competitor to Reddit, but it's less moderated than Reddit. And you can be mostly anonymous on 4chan, right? That's one of its big draws is that you can be anonymous there. And there is a little bit less moderation. So Q Clearance Patriot starts posting on 4chan about all of these conspiracies 
claiming Hillary Clinton was in custody and a whole bunch of bizarre stuff. And it got stranger and stranger as time went on. So eventually, Q Clearance Patriot, he moved over to posting on 8chan, which is basically a 4chan competitor that has pretty much zero moderation. Basically none, except what they legally have to pull down. That's the only stuff that they'd take down. And there is some stuff they legally can't leave up. So Q Clearance Patriot starts posting his stuff on 8chan. And at that point in the documentary, they're talking about the transition to posting on 8chan. They said at that point, I think in 2018, there was what they call an incident. The incident is where Q Clearance Patriot, the poster, Q, his writing style completely changed. He started adding exclamation marks to every post that he put out. He started posting memes and things like that. Something changed. It, it, it seemed like it was no longer the same person that it was before the incident in 2018, right? So it looks like Q's first post was on October 28th, 2017. And the thread's title was Calm Before the Storm. It was all about Hillary Clinton being captured and she's about to be indicted and blah, blah, blah. It was after Trump started saying all that shit about her, you know, being an evil person, whatever. Anyway, so after the incident, 2018, Hughes' language style, his writing style just completely flipped. That was after he joined 8chan, I believe. And there is basically a single moderator of 8chan, somebody who is there to delete things that are genuinely illegal. That was his job. And this guy's dad owned 8chan. So his dad owns it and runs the data centers for it. And he moderates it, taking down anything that needs to be taken down legally. He's also the software engineer that would, you know, operate on 8chan and do all of this coding for it and stuff. He had access to information that every software engineer or server admin has, such as the IP address of the people who post there. There is no anonymity from the server administrator. They knew what type of device Q was posting with and where he was. An IP address can't give you an exact location, but it'll give you a one or two block radius. So this guy, this guy right here, Ron Watkins that you see on screen, he was the moderator who had information about who Q was. He knew who Q was. There's no way that he didn't as the server administrator. He absolutely knew who he was. But a lot of people were really suspicious about the fact that Q's writing style changed when he moved over to 8chan. Ron Watkins, the, the server admin, had the capability, technological capability, to post as Q if he wanted to, and nobody would know the difference because they used this whole security measure called trip codes that basically makes it so that you know that it's the real Q. That's how they could tell that it was this guy, Q, and not somebody else. But this guy could put in basically any trip code he wanted. 
He could make it appear as though he was Q if he wanted to, and nobody would ever know the difference. So let me walk you through the timeline now. Q moves from 4chan to 8chan, starts posting there instead. Suddenly, his writing style changes. It is a different person, and this is the only other person in the world who has the ability to post as Q. Unless the real Q handed the account over to somebody else, this is Q. This is who took over the account in 2018. Throughout the entirety of this HBO documentary, this guy here, Ron Watkins, hinted around that he might have been Q, talked about how he had the ability to be Q, but then he would outright deny it. I am not Q. I told you I am not Q. That's not who I am. I've never posted as Q, blah, blah, blah. But then he would hint at it again. He kept going back to it and saying, you know, I, I, I have the trip codes and I know which devices Q is posting from and I can post as anybody I want to be. I could post as Q if I wanted, but I'm not and I never did. He kept doing that shit. So anyways, by the end of the documentary, he kind of gave a little hint at the end. So anyways, you guys may consider watching the documentary because it is actually very interesting. But like I said, it's like six hours long. It's a very long documentary. But the bottom line is this guy is basically the only person who had the capability to post as Q. The only person in the world who could use Q's trip code um, and get through his security measures, basically. He's the only person in the world who could get through Q's security measures as the server admin. And Q's writing style suspiciously changed in 2018 when he started being hosted on this guy's website. That's basically the bottom line. So he's pretty much the only person that could possibly have been Q. So that raises the question, who was the original Q? And the answer to that is elusive, but I believe, personally, very little evidence to back this up, some, but I personally think that it was a combination of this guy working with his dad and a couple of other people. The HBO documentary makes a strong case for Roger Stone having been involved because Roger Stone supposedly contributed to this guy's dad's news website. I mean, they were all kind of linked together. They believe the original Q was probably a combination of four or five different people, including Ron Watkins. And then they all kind of gave up on it after the 2018 midterms, or he took it over and didn't let anyone else control it after the 2018 incident, and he became Q. So... If you are wondering who Q is, there's your answer. With all that being said, let's actually read the article and see what it has to say. Documentary filmmaker Cullen Hoback thought he had caught Ron Watkins in the finale of the HBO docuseries Q Into the Storm. Watkins, the former administrator of the platform where the creator of the QAnon conspiracy theory posted, told Hoback it was basically three years of intelligence training teaching normies how to do intelligence work. It was basically what I was doing anonymously before, but never as Q, Watkins said, but immediately tried to backtrack on the statement, adding, never as Q, I promise, I am not Q. Ron had slipped up, Hoback said in the episode. He knew it, and I knew it. And after three tireless years of cat and mouse... 
by saying he was anonymously involved with the QAnon world. Watkins appeared to leak that he may have been acting as Q, the anonymous figure who ran the theory with messages on 8 Kuhn, owned by Watkins' father. Yeah, 8 Kuhn is uh, 8chan rebranded. They renamed it to 8 Kuhn later. But in the days after Sunday's episode aired, major promoters of the conspiracy theory, which alleges a deep state cabal of human traffickers exists at the top levels of power in the U.S., weren't remotely convinced. One QAnon influencer told his 100,000 Telegram subscribers that the documentary was fake news on Wednesday. Total fail on many levels, he said. Another influencer with 33,000 Telegram subscribers said on Wednesday, they really thought the HBO special would take us down. The post, viewed by 37,000 users as of Thursday morning, compared the QAnon community to Jesus and his disciples. If Jesus turned the world upside down with 12 people, the post said, imagine what we could do. How many are we now? Q has been silent since his last 8chan post on December 8th, 2020. QAnon researchers had predicted that the community would discredit any evidence regarding the identity of Q. Alexander Reed Ross a doctoral fellow at the Center for Analysis of the Radical Right, an organization that tracks right-wing extremism worldwide, told Insider in an interview last fall that the identity of Q wouldn't matter to the movement. And I agree with that, largely. I don't think that the identity matters to the movement at all. Uh, Although I'm pretty convinced that it's this guy right here, Ron Watkins. I'm very convinced. The documentary um, did a good job convincing me of it. But I don't think that he was working alone uh, for most of that time. I think that until 2018, he was working with a team of people, including his father. And there are lots of reasons to think that, um, including things like Q would post pictures to prove that it was really him, like he'd post a picture of a pen, and it just so happened to be like a very expensive, rare collector's pen worth like $1,500. Guess who's a pen collector? Ron Watkins' dad, the owner of 8chan. He's a massive pen fan, loves pens, has a big collection. It's just little tiny hints, little things like that that make me believe that um, Ron Watkins' dad, the owner of 8chan, was also involved to some degree with the QAnon account. Let's keep reading. Every iteration has to become plausible for them and sort of coexist within what they already believe through QAnon, Reed Ross said. They can't walk it back. They have to continue to move forward. Ron Watkins is a popular QAnon influencer. Watkins is the former operator of 8Kun, which is 8chan rebranded, the fringe platform where Q first posted. His father, Jim, is the owner of the platform, which is a revamped version of the now-defunct 8chan. He previously denied being Q in a conversation with Insider. In an April 3rd message on his Telegram channel, where he has 152,000 subscribers, Watkins said, friendly reminder, I am not Q. Watkins has been a major influencer and in some ways a hero for the QAnon community, leveraging his power in the community to become one of the most vocal supporters of the pro-Trump Stop the Steal campaign last fall. In encouraging followers to discredit President Joe Biden's election win, he was retweeted by Trump and his allies on several occasions, including Rudy Giuliani, Trump's lawyer, and de facto Stop the Steal czar. Watkins' main target was Dominion Voting Systems, the voting technology company used by several states that was baselessly accused by the right of interfering with the election. The Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency 
denied such allegations and has said the 2020 presidential election was the most secure in history. In November, as part of his campaign to allege the election had been corrupted, Trump shared a video from One America News Network, the far-right pro-Trump propaganda network. The clip featured Watkins as a cyber analyst exposing shocking vulnerabilities in Dominion technology. Trump also retweeted a tweet from Watkins in December. He is not a cyber analyst, uh, and he didn't expose any shocking vulnerabilities. He's just the server admin for 8chan because his dad owns it. Watkins appeared to finally accept Trump's defeat in a message for his 152,000 Telegram followers on January 20th. We gave it our all. Now we need to keep our chins up and go back to our lives as best we are able, he said. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm convinced that this guy posted his cue at least since the incident in 2018. And he was probably heavily involved long before that, too. But like I said, the writing styles changed around that time. So I don't think that he was the primary guy doing the posting on the Q account before. I think it was uh, somebody else. I think it was other people. Um, this guy lives in Japan now. I don't know. I thought it was pretty interesting. And like I said, I'm pretty convinced it was him. I guess we'll never know unless he comes out and admits it. The biggest of Chungai, do you think the reveal of its leader will finally destroy QAnon? I think QAnon... Um, as a conspiracy theory is going to thrive, but it will slowly shrink after time. I think we're going to see another minimum a year, maybe two. In fact, maybe it'll go to the end of this presidency where QAnon is still kind of growing a little bit, but there will come a time in the near future where QAnon starts to shrink because its leader is not posting anymore. So I guess we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with it. But I think QAnon as a movement, I think its days are numbered. I heart dogs. I found the HBO documentary terrifying for the future of our country. Yeah. Like I said, the QAnon craze, I think, is going to die down because Q isn't posting anymore. But it, it is extremely disturbing. The whole thing is extremely disturbing, man. And actually, the person who did the documentary, what was his name? Hoback, I think is his name. He was originally a reporter who was doing TED Talks and stuff about how bad social media censorship is. That was his whole bit originally. And then he started diving down the QAnon rabbit hole and doing a documentary on that. He's been working on it for like three, four years now. Finally released it. And... He makes a case in the documentary that there should be some level of censorship on the internet. There should be. And I found it fascinating because genuinely, I believe that I believe in free speech. Really, I believe in free speech to a great degree, a, a high degree. I think freedom of speech is one of the most important values that we have. One of the most important things that we have as humans. But 8chan, which no longer exists, it rebranded to 8kun, I think, 8kun, and that doesn't exist anymore either, with basically zero moderation on that. It was just a free flow of the darkest parts of the internet, the darkest parts of the human psyche. If you don't believe that things should be moderated, spend an hour on 8chan. It is a bad place. It's gone now, like I said. Rightfully so. Part of me is disappointed it's gone because those places can 
serve as a really useful case study for the human psyche. And, you know, it can lead you to kind of figure out where right-wing extremism starts and how it starts and how propaganda spreads and things like that. So it's a shame that it's gone from a clinical perspective, but it's good that it's gone from a societal perspective. It's a bad place. The biggest of Chungai, assuming that guy's actually, why did he do it? And what did he gain? And what's your theory behind the original person to start the conspiracy? I don't know what the whole bit was behind the original person to start the conspiracy. Um, I think they were probably looking for attention. And I'm guessing they probably knew some of the moderators on the platform that they originally used, which I believe is 4chan. And so they got those moderators to kind of, you know, prank people. And little did they know the prank just exploded. Now, as far as why Ron Watkins took it over and why he did it and what he gained, it made his website, 8chan, one of the biggest websites in the world. It was ranked in the top 1,000 websites uh, used. It was massive, and it was almost all coming from QAnon traffic. People going to the QAnon posts, or the QAnon board on 8chan. That's what he had to gain, was bringing in new eyeballs, bringing in new traffic to 8chan. That's what it was. They rode a wave. And finally, a bunch of really terrible shit resulted from 8chan being as open as it was. Lots of manifestos were posted there and live streams posted right there on 8chan so other governments started regulating it they shut down internet access to 8chan like australia and new zealand did i think after the christchurch thing uh and a bunch of other countries started shutting down access basically that that was his whole goal was to boost traffic to 8chan, and eventually it got shut down anyway, so it was irrelevant. Zolfner, when you control one person's speech, you are giving permission for your speech to be controlled. Yeah, I I know, I know. I know. I'm, I'm right there with you for the most part, I agree, but there is a legal limit. The U.S. government will not allow you to say certain things. You can't post certain pictures that are, you know, inappropriate. Of people of certain ages, if you get my meaning. And that was one of the problems on 8chan. A lot of pictures that were inappropriate of people of inappropriate ages. It's a huge problem on 8chan. And that's one of the reasons why it was shut down. Freedom of speech is a value I believe in, but it, it has limits. It has limits. Next, we're going to talk about a QAnon thought leader refusing to give up on Trump. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. next article I wanted to look at is titled, Dave Hayes Says God Will Compel the Military to Remove Biden from Office. 
This is on rightwingwatch.org, and it's written by Kyle Mantilla. Now, we covered this a while back, actually. I covered this story forever ago. This is from February 12th, 2021. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an older story. But I wanted to cover this one first because there's a new video out by this guy of him saying some really weird shit. So I figured what we'd do is we'd take a look at his first video from February, and then we'll look at his next video. So let's read the article and see what it has to say about him. Dave Hayes, a self-declared prophet, Christian author, and leading online QAnon activist who's better known as the Praying Medic, has been rather quiet ever since former President Donald Trump left office, likely because none of the bold predictions Hayes made about Trump arresting and executing his political enemies ever came true. Despite the fact that Trump is now out of office and the QAnon movement is falling apart, Hayes continues to keep the faith, posting a video on Rumble Wednesday in which he predicted that God will soon force the military to remove President Joe Biden from office. Let's watch the video that goes along with it and see what he had to say. The military at some point is going to step in and make some kind of a move that's going to change uh, the complexion of our federal government. Now, some people have heard the interview with General Flynn. Okay, let me give you a little bit of context to this. So basically, Trump lost the election, fair and square. It is what it is. Biden has been inaugurated now. Here we are. I mean, this is February 12th, so this was close to a month after Biden was inaugurated. Say three weeks after, right? And this guy's still talking about it. Are you serious? He's still going on about this. He's saying the military is going to step in and stop Biden and reinstate Trump. Are you fucking serious, man? At what point do you give up? Honestly, at what point do you give up? So uh, as a lot of you know, uh, General Flynn has played right into the hands of QAnon. He has been a QAnon supporter for a, a while now. He's given QAnon signals. He's used the QAnon catchphrase, which is where we go one, we go all. That's their whole catchphrase, which honestly I think is kind of fucking stupid, but whatever. Not my movement. They can say what they want. So Flynn said that stuff, and he has clearly marked himself as a QAnon supporter, obviously because he wants to take part in the control methods that are happening here. And after the election and after the inauguration and everything else, here we are, mid-February, when this guy was putting this video out, and Flynn came out and said publicly, there's no plan. Military is not getting involved. It is what it is. Accept it now, right? Flynn is done with it, I guess, now. He realizes that it's hopeless. Nothing's going to come of this. It's pointless to continue the QAnon charade for him. So he's not going to bother anymore. And he told the QAnon people to give it up. It's over. So let's see what this guy here, Hayes, what he had to say in response to Flynn's thing about the military not getting involved. People have heard the interview with General Flynn, where General Flynn said that there is no plan for the military to step in. Uh, I was listening to Monkey Works, and he interviewed a guy a couple days ago. And he, that guy also said, there is no plan for the military to step in and, and do anything. It was pretty definitive. It was definitive. They said, that's it. Not happening. Just give up on it. They're, they're trying to distance themselves from it and trying to pull people out and say it's over. It's not happening. Well, I would like to suggest um, an alternative viewpoint on that. Okay. Um, if, 
if the military had a plan to intervene in American politics and General Flynn was aware of it, I guarantee you he wouldn't tell anybody what he knew. Oh my God, dude. Is this guy ever going to give up? You've got to be joking. You cannot be fucking serious with this. Flynn just wouldn't say anything at all, if anything. I mean, if we're sitting here pretending that this is fucking real, which I don't know why we would even bother, Flynn would keep his mouth shut. He wouldn't outright come out and say, there is no plan, give it up already. He wouldn't say that. He'd just not say anything. Publicly. <laughs> For operational security. Mm, operational security. That's one of uh, Q's code words, if you will. Loaded language that this cult uses to kind of identify each other. They use a lot of loaded language like operational security and red pill and LARPing and normies. Those are really common words that are used in the QAnon cult to identify each other, that type of language. It's fact, that's on the bite model, loaded language and cliches. That's one of the ways in which you identify cults is if they use loaded language, thought-stopping techniques, cliches, things like that. If there was a plan for the military to step in and General Flynn knew about it, there's no way he's going to tell anyone publicly about it. Operational security. There's no way he's going to tell. So what General Flynn said may or may not be true. Um, he may sincerely think there isn't a plan. If there is a plan and he knows about it, he couldn't tell anybody. So there's no way General Flynn is going to come out and say, yeah, oh, there's a plan. The military is going to step in and do all this. This is sad, man. I feel bad for this guy. I feel bad for the members of QAnon, honestly. Like a lot of these people are just normal people. They're normal people who were suckered into believing something completely outrageous and ridiculous with zero evidence behind it. No reason to believe this stuff. And they bought it. They, they ate it up hook, line, and sinker. And this guy is sitting here trying to mull it over in his head and justify it and work around all of the evidence against what he believes, refusing to accept reality. It's just like a Jehovah's Witness. It's just like a Mormon. Despite contradictory evidence, they refuse to drop the belief system, no matter what, even when everybody around them is dropping it, even when their leadership is dropping it. Even then, they're refusing to give it up. It's fucking sad. You're never going to hear that from General Flynn. There's, we're, we're getting to a point where uh, the military, I don't think, is going to have a choice but to step in. I'm not going to go any further into that other than to say, I think the Oh, please do. Uh, please do. By saying, I'm not going to go any further into that, he's implying that he has knowledge that other people don't have. And if they did have it, then it would put their movement at a disadvantage in some way. I hear that kind of thing all the time from cult members. I'm not going to get into that too much, but I'll just say, blah, blah, blah. We'll just say this. People are desperately trying to give the impression that there's more to the story that they can't say right now, but just trust them, they're correct. 
And that's exactly what he's doing here. I don't think he's going to have a choice but to step in. And I'm not going to go any further into that other than to say I think the military will be compelled to step in. Sort of like if you've read how um, in the Old Testament, God would draw a king into battle against another king. Even though that king wouldn't necessarily want to get into that battle, God has a way of making it happen. I think even if the military is not interested in getting involved in this whole Joe Biden administration, I think God is going to make it so that they don't have a choice. Okay, interesting. So he's saying that uh, God is going to step in and force his hand, force everybody's hand. God is going to force people to hand over the presidency to Trump, basically, right? Okay, couple of questions, follow-up questions. Why does God give a shit? Why, why would God give a shit about what was happening in the United States of America when there are starving kids in Africa across the entire fucking continent? Why would God care about this fucking country? Uh, the politics in this country. Why would he give a shit about any of that? I mean, Jesus was all about caring for the poor, right? He said, it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. If you want to follow me, sell your possessions, give them to the poor. God gave a shit about people who were suffering. Why would he give a shit about the richest fucking most powerful people in the U.S.? Why would he give a shit about them? If anything... The God of the Bible that he's describing here would be focusing his efforts on Africa, uh, on the poor in America, uh, on the poor in the entire world. Why would he care about some rich dickhead who lost an election? Why would he care about that shit? They've worked Trump into their theology. They've worked him into their theology. He is like a messiah. I'm not joking or being hyperbolic. Trump is like their new Jesus. Trump is like their doe from heaven's gate. He's like their Jim Jones, their leader. Trump is a part of their belief system now. And there's no getting rid of him. He's here to stay. The next part of this clip is the new video that just came out, like, recently. Uh, so I figured we'd give this one a watch and see what he had to say. I think that Trump knows when... Uh, when the states are done doing their investigations mm. of the elections, when uh, enough of the people are pissed off about the fraud, when enough people get red-pilled... More loaded language, you hear that? Red-pilled? That's loaded language I mentioned just a few minutes ago, along with normies and LARPing and operational security, stuff like that. Um, I think we're going to end up with a new election, a redo of the 2020 election. And I that's not how our constitution works. That's a fundamental misunderstanding of how the U.S. government is structured. It wouldn't play out like that at all. If, for some reason, Biden was removed from office, which isn't going to happen, I'm sorry, it's just not, then Kamala Harris would be next in line to be the president. Now, there's a possible scenario where the Biden administration is removed. That's a possibility. And if that happens, Biden and Kamala would both go, and then the Speaker of the House would become president. They're next in line. 
And then I believe it's next in line is the Senate pro tempore or something like that. I think it's Chuck Grassley. It's like the oldest member of Senate or the longest serving member of Senate or something like that. I don't even remember who's next in line, but it would not be Trump. There would not be another election. That's not how it works. That's not how it's ever fucking worked. It's just a fundamental misunderstanding of how this country and this government operate. They just do not understand how it works. A redo of the 2020 election. And I think really? Trump knows that's coming. So he doesn't have to commit to 2024 because I think we're going to have a redo of the 2020 election at some point. I mean, look at Myanmar. Fascinating that he's coming up with explanations for why Trump isn't committing to running in 2024. You'd think the dude would just say... Yeah, I'm running in 2024. Or you would think that he would just come out and say, yeah, we're just going to hold another election soon before 2024 where I'm going to be elected. You'd think that Trump would just come out and say that if that was part of the plan, right? But part of the QAnon mantra is trust the plan. And here we are. I mean, every part of the fucking plan has failed so far. At what point do you stop trusting the fucking plan? We're going to have a redo of the 2020 election at some point. I mean, look at Myanmar. Military mm. takes over and says, oh, guess what? We're going to do a new election, paper ballots, and we're going to count the ballots. Uh, we're probably looking at something like that here in the U.S. That would be really disturbing if that happened, because that means a full-blown military takeover, and it does not end well when that happens. It does not end well. We have lots of examples of that happening throughout the world, and it's bad when that happens. Another thing that happened in Myanmar, they said we're going to hold a new election, but we're not going to do it for like a year. That gave them time to establish their control and their authority in the country before actually running an election, if they even hold one. Who knows if they're even going to hold an election now? I mean, I don't know if Myanmar is actually going to or not. Really disturbing what's happening over there. What's happening in Myanmar is basically exactly what happened in the 2020 election here in the U.S. with all of the propaganda about stealing this thing and that thing and the fraud and blah, blah, blah. Same exact things same exact operation same propaganda being spread except in myanmar it worked in the u.s our institutions were too strong it didn't work it's pretty disturbing let's keep listening let's and we're going to count the ballots uh we're probably looking at something like that here in the u.s and so trump doesn't need to commit to 2024 because i think something is going to happen before then where does the delusion end with these people. When will they be forced to face the reality that it's over? Q was fake. Trump lied. Like, when are they going to come to that realization? How much evidence do they need to smack them in the face before they finally accept the truth? Next, we're going to talk about extreme evangelical Tony Perkins praying to God for a dysfunctional government. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
The next article I wanted to talk about is called Christian Right Leader, I'm Praying for Gridlock to Block Joe Biden's Agenda. This is by Beth Stoneburner on the Friendly Atheist website. So let's give it a read and see what it says. Just weeks after citing a Bible verse calling for death of gay people, Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council has toned down his rhetoric. Now he's just calling on spiritual forces to thwart the Biden administration, which in practice would mean blocking COVID relief payments, not funding infrastructure, making it harder for black people to vote, and all kinds of other policy positions that benefit the country. Oh, and by the way, I don't know if you guys noticed, if you're listening to the audio podcast, you certainly haven't noticed yet, but we got Pastor Buckaroo in this clip. I He's not wearing a vest this time. I guess I can't call him Pastor Buckaroo. Besides that, uh, using nicknames for people is a propaganda technique, and Trump used it a lot. So I'm trying not to use that those terms very much. But what, what else do you call somebody who wears a vest but Buckaroo? It just fits. Let's watch this clip with Tony Perkins and see what he had to say. We just need to continue to pray. Um, pray that uh, the Lord would prohibit them from from doing this. Look, we need God. We need God to move on our behalf. We need to repent as a nation of the stuff that's being pushed through. Just think, just look at what the Biden administration has pushed through. And we're not even talking legislation yet. Okay, so he's about to give us a list of things that Biden did that he doesn't like, right? Let's listen. But the whole transgender agenda we mentioned a few moments ago, he's put that onto the military. He's put it on. He's put it onto the military. What is he talking about? What What did Biden do with the transgenderism in the military that you don't like? Did he make things a little bit more fair and equal? Is that the problem? Don't like not being a supremacist. You don't like equality. You feel like you're being oppressed because you have to treat people fairly now. Is that the issue? The elementary and secondary schools. He put it on our colleges. I honestly don't know what he's talking about here. He's saying he put transgenderism, quote unquote, into secondary schools and colleges. I truly have no clue what he's talking about. Maybe I'm behind on my news, but I don't I don't get the reference there. But the whole transgender agenda we mentioned a few moments ago, he's put that onto the military. He's put it onto elementary and secondary schools. He's put it on our colleges. Uh, look at the issue of abortion. Uh, even you know, not, not just the repeal, uh, the overturn of the um, Mexico City policy that prohibits funding in uh, foreign policy, but even the Hyde Amendment that was eliminated in the coronavirus relief bill. No, untrue. I tried to find evidence of that, and I couldn't find a lick of evidence. Couldn't find anything to support what he's saying here. Maybe I overlooked it. I don't know. Maybe I overlooked it, but I looked pretty fucking hard. I did all kinds of fact checks and research and everything. I couldn't find a word about removing the Hyde Amendment. If you're unfamiliar, the Hyde Amendment is basically this thing that prohibits the federal government from paying funds to fund abortions, basically is what that is. And uh, that's why it's really, really expensive to get an abortion m more often than not in most states. Like it's seven, eight, nine hundred dollars, a thousand dollars sometimes. It's very, very expensive and difficult because Medicaid won't cover it. Medicare won't cover it. Um, the federal government won't cover it at all. So sometimes Planned Parenthood gets donations from people and sometimes they will cover parts of it, at least subsidize it or whatever. Again, money is not coming from the federal government for that. That's the Hyde Amendment. And no, it was not in the COVID bill, as far as I could tell. I looked all over the place, couldn't find 
anything to hint at the idea that it was in the COVID bill in any way. So he's just lying here, as far as I can tell. Somebody correct me in the comments if you have some source. Eliminated in the coronavirus relief bill, the $2 trillion and all the money that's going to flow to Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics. Um, this is a... This is a tr yeah, money goes to health clinics for health screenings and things like that. But federal money cannot be used to pay for abortions legally. That's what the Hyde Amendment is. And it was not removed. In clinics, um, this, is an, uh, this is atrocious. And, and we need to be praying. I could see him complaining about that, although I would love it if the Hyde Amendment was removed. But I can see him complaining about it if it was real. He's just making shit up now. Uh, that God would move in our country and that those that wanted... I, look, I pray for the God's blessing on, on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as they yield themselves to him, as he praying that he would turn their hearts as he does the rivers of water. But if they... They are giga religious, or at least Joe Biden is. I've never heard anything about Kamala's faith. I have no idea if she's religious. Joe Biden is a super Catholic, which used to be controversial. I mean, back in John F. Kennedy's days when he was running for president, there was a concern that his Catholicism would interfere with his job as president. They were worried that it would influence him in some way. And look where we are now. They're saying he's not religious enough as a Catholic. These people, like these Republican extremists, have taken a dark turn in the past 50 years. Things continue to get more and more extreme from these people, no joke. Yield themselves to him as he praying that he would turn their hearts as he does the rivers of water. But if they refuse the truth and go against the truth, I pray that, look, they would be confused, they would have conflict Amen. and mm -hmm. gridlock mm -hmm. would settle upon Washington, D.C. He's literally, he said he's praying for gridlock. He's literally says he's praying for the government to be dysfunctional. He doesn't want the government of the United States to function. He wants to s stop it in its tracks. Is this not concerning to anybody else? These pastors, and I think this guy specifically is actually a lawyer for the, the Family Research Council, quote unquote. He's a lawyer for the Family Research Council, which is an ultra-conservative think tank or something like that, or a charity of some sort. But these pastors are jumping into politics and doing everything in their power to make it fail to function as it's supposed to. This should be really fucking concerning. Amen. I agree. There's a time to pray against evil, even if it's uh, people are willfully participating. 100%. You know, David used to, would pray that God would turn the enemy against themselves, and we yep. need to be, be following that example. In progressivism and liberalism, there are camps that set out to lie and twist the truth and be deceptive and things. But I have to say, it is a way of life with people like this, with the Family Research Council, with extreme Republicans. It's a way of life. It's not just a, like, this odd group over here or this 
one news network over there is kind of shady and questionable and they have some really weird ideas and they lie more often than not. It's not like that. These people are just dead set on propagandizing and twisting the truth and lying and revving people up into a blood frenzy at any cost. Let's get back to the article. This is by Beth Stoneburner. After denouncing the administration for supporting trans people, something that's quite literally life-saving, Perkins lashed out against reproductive health funding. But that, too, doesn't mean what he says it does. It's not just about abortions. Women with access to affordable birth control are less likely to ever need an abortion if they can afford getting pregnant in the first place. I'm sorry. If they can avoid getting pregnant in the first place thanks to birth control and accurate, comprehensive sex education. Doesn't Perkins want pregnancies to be wanted, healthy, and affordable? Let's not forget the women suffering from endometriosis, ovarian cysts, and other issues with reproductive organs beyond pregnancy who've been treated by Planned Parenthood. Guy doesn't care. It's like, do you want to reduce the rate of abortions? Yes. There are things we can do. Let's work together. Me and Republicans will work together to solve this issue, okay? Teach comprehensive sex education and make birth control easily accessible by everybody from age 12 and up, no matter what. Pass it out like fucking candy in health class. That's how you solve the abortion problem. Oh, you don't want to do that either? Why not? Why don't you want to teach kids how to be healthy and safe and not get pregnant when they're not ready to be pregnant. Why teach abstinence only? Why? What's the point? You are only going to increase abortion statistics by teaching abstinence only education. That's what it does. It only increases it. It only makes things worse. Because guess what? These kids, some percentage of them, are going to go out and do that anyways, despite your bullshit abstinence only education. They're going to do it. And what happens when they actually go and do it? They didn't know how to be safe because you didn't fucking teach them. The school system failed them on that front. And now they're pregnant. And they're 12, 13, 14 years old, and they're not ready to be pregnant. They're not ready to be a mother. They're not ready to take care of a kid. And they're going to get an abortion. Because you didn't teach them how to be safe and teach them pregnancy prevention. You're too concerned about your stupid bullshit fucking religion to, to see past the nose on your face. Didn't consider the fact that you can either have fewer abortions or fewer people using birth control, one or the other. In health class, what you teach will either lead to more abortions or more birth control use, one or the other. These people want both, and that's not how the world works. Let's keep reading. This is uh, Beth Stoneburner. Good luck finding evidence of Perkins denouncing the filibuster when Republicans decided it should no longer apply to Supreme Court justices. Was God okay with it then? And trans people were already in the military and in schools and in public restrooms, for that matter. If he's only now aware of it, that's his problem. Agreed. These people have been here since the dawn of fucking time. And they're going to continue being here. The fact that he's refusing to 
accept their existence in the world just speaks to his supremacy mindset even more. Leave it to a conservative like Perkins to pray for literal gridlock in D.C. when so much of our current politics involves fixing the damage done by the previous Republican administration. He wasn't personally affected by it, so he's not used to people benefiting from competent government. But as we've seen, having qualified people running government agencies and having Democratic majorities committed to passing bills to help Americans actually makes people's lives better. Perkins isn't scared of some liberal agenda. He's afraid of people finding out that his party just can't get anything done while Democrats can. It's a pretty good point. And honestly, I said this in 2016 when Trump won the presidency. When Trump won, the Senate and the House all went to the Republicans. They controlled every branch of government from that moment on. They controlled the Supreme Court when he put Kavanaugh in. They had the majority in the Supreme Court. They controlled the executive branch, which is the presidency and the military. They controlled the, the legislative branch, too. All three forms of government, the Senate, the House, the presidency, the Supreme Court. We lived in the Republican America from 2017 onward. That is what they wanted it to be. And if it's not, then they're incompetent fools because they had all the levers of power of government, all of them. If government isn't shaped exactly as Republicans wanted it to be by 2018, by the midterms, what were they fucking doing? They had all the power and did nothing. Why? Because they're not interested in making changes. They don't want to fix things. They want to prevent the Democrats from fixing things. They want to own the libs at any cost. That's what it's all about. That's what it's always been about for decades now. I would say since 2010 at the very least. It's been about owning the libs and nothing else. They have an obsession with making their enemy fail. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system, from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.